Hi, welcome to the Fox Family Law Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Hayes, a partner in the Fox Dallas office. And we are here today for the third in our series of eight podcasts about the process of divorce. And today, my associate Aaron Garza and I are going to be talking about prenups and postnups and how to kind of reduce the fear of filing for divorce for people who want a divorce but aren't really sure about the process. So, I'm today, Aaron. Doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Um, so I think a lot of people get scared by the term prenup. They think, oh, well, you're entering a marriage contemplating your divorce. And so I don't want to talk about that's not really the case and how prenups can actually be helpful and protect people, even if they never get divorced, but how it could be a good step in, you know, before thinking about before marriage. Divorce. And I'd like to start off actually with a study out of Harvard University from 2003. That study found that while most people understood that about half of new marriages end in divorce, only 12% of people surveyed actually thought they'd be a victim of that statistic. So more often than not, we're seeing people go into marriage very hopeful, which is always good. But we have to acknowledge the reality there that sometimes it may be good to have these agreements in place before the marriage. That way you can approach financials in the event of divorce easier or child custody issues, things like that. So we really want to talk today about some of the advantage of prenuptial agreements. Um, Laura, I think you can attest to this with all of your experience, but one of the advantages that we've seen has been that the parties can minimize their own risk and exposure. Would you agree? Absolutely. Uh, I like to compare this to going into a business kind of with your best friend. Everything's great, but you never know when you might hit a speed bump or, you know, you want the the documents to be in place while things are good and you're happy. You don't want to be worrying about them and arguing with those when, you know, they're not good and happy. So I look at it sort of like a business agreement too. You know, you want to prepare yourself for worst case scenario and hope that you never have to actually look at this document. Um, there's a lot of advantages to entering a prenup. And one of those advantages is actually understanding what the laws are. I see a lot of times in divorces, uh, people have received gifts from parents or other family members, and they've commingled them unintentionally, thinking that it would still be protected, and they're not. So one of the advantages of, of, of entering a premarital agreement is understanding what the laws are and what the consequences of various life events can be um, during the marriage. So it's good to know those things in advance. That's important to note. I actually have several friends who have gone into marriage not knowing, well, I have this trust that I have for my marriage, how is that going to be affected after my marriage? And especially for individuals who are getting married in their 20s or their 30s, they may not be worrying about these things right now. But as you mentioned, it's important to know what the laws are on those issues and how the assets that you have before you get married and the assets that you accumulate once married are affected and how you can negotiate around that with the marital agreement to an extent. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the things about Texas is, as a community property state is, while you can protect inheritance or separate property, income off of those assets is considered community. And that's where a lot of people get into trouble in a divorce, not realizing that, and then they lose the ability to protect some of those assets. So knowing, having that knowledge in advance, like you said, sometimes younger people getting married or people getting married for the first time don't really understand that or don't even think about it because they don't have those assets but understanding the consequences in the event that you get assets or as you accumulate 
you know, your marital estate. Those things are very important. That's true. And you mentioned not having a lot of assets, maybe if it's your first marriage or you're getting married young. One of the things that we've seen is individuals who come to us and say, I don't think I need a premarital agreement. I don't have anything. Uh, I don't have a house. I don't have, you know, student loans to pay off. I don't have a car, that kind of thing. But one asset that is an intangible people forget about is your capacity to earn income. And you were talking about earning income off of assets that you bring into the marriage that were yours before and how that becomes community property. But any income that you earn once you are married is essentially part of And so it's important to understand how that can be affected once you are married and the avenues that are available to you with a prenuptial agreement to protect those assets. Absolutely. And some other assets that people don't necessarily think about are intellectual property assets. I've seen, you know, different spouses involved in startups. Oh, they have no value right now. It's no big deal. I don't need a prenup. I, I won't worry about it type of thinking. And then all of a sudden that business takes off. And because you didn't necessarily protect it in the first place, it's now become community property, whether that was their intention or not. So Sometimes people who go into a marriage don't necessarily have the assets to think about. Those assets can change. Life can change really, really quickly. And so, you know, contemplating these life events in advance is, is a good idea. That's very important. And it's funny because I think one of the first times I ever heard a free marital agreement mentioned recently in TV was on the Real Housewives of Dallas. <laughs> they had asked them in an interview question, how many of you have premarital agreement. And almost all of them said, of course, why wouldn't we have this going into marriage? And it, it's important to point out that that's not something that's only reserved for individuals on the Real Housewives of Dallas. It can be anyone, any stage in life, any level of income, any amount of assets, because you can work with more than just your property and your financial going into a marriage. You can decide things for the future that you may accumulate later down the road. Absolutely. Um, and the one thing I do want to point out, though, that while you can, premarital agreements can contemplate what happens on a divorce and how assets are divided and treated, the one thing a premarital agreement cannot refer to is possession of children. So you can, there are certain things about children that you can agree to, but possession and access to children is not something that can be put in to a premarital agreement. So the premarital agreement does focus on most of the time assets, but you can reach agreements like some people put in to premarital agreements that even in the event of divorce, you know, one party will pay the other party's uh, expenses for a certain period of time, some kind of temporary maintenance agreement, or they agree that there won't be any temporary maintenance. Sometimes you, if you have um, a marriage where one party owns the house in advance, you can contemplate issues like the other spouse can stay for a certain period of time and they've been a divorce, so they're not automatically kicked out and those kinds of things. So you can contemplate taking care of each other on a temporary basis, even in worst case scenario happens. So it's it's about protecting your assets, but also contemplating what if um, a divorce happens or what if worst case scenario happens. I've seen, you know, people put in provisions about what if one party cheats and, you know, so you can really, you don't have to put those provisions in there, but I have seen it done. So you can really think about and contemplate what if a bad thing happens uh, in your marriage and how, how would that be treated? And again, it's negotiating these things while things are good 
versus when, when you're in the middle of a divorce and it's not so easy to negotiate um, and so that everybody's protected. That's a big question, the what if. And I think that's a question that some people may not think of before they go and get married, but it's certainly something that you can address after you are married. And there are such things as post-nuptial agreements, post-marital agreements that maybe people don't talk about as much, but they're still like it's really important. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I don't think that post-marital agreements are used as often as they should, although I have actually seen a large increase in requests for post-marital agreements uh, since COVID because you know, you, a lot of people have heard about the rise in divorce rates, but there's a lot of people who are afraid to file for divorce, but they know they're ready. Um, and so entering a post-marital agreement is a good vehicle to allow people to separate and move on their lives without actually processing the divorce. Um, there's lots of different reasons for people to enter post-marital agreements, but I think they're a really, really effective tool for lots of reasons, especially when you're in a state like Texas, where there is no legal separation. There are some states that allow for that and for the parties to remain married, um, but be legally separated. Texas does not have that. So in Texas, a way to get around that if parties aren't quite ready to actually have the divorce, whether that's for religious reasons, for reasons, insurance reasons, whatever the reason may be, a postmarital agreement is a great way to address that. I'm glad you mentioned that there is no legal separation in Texas because that's something that distinguishes Texas law from some other states. So we have seen certain cases. I mean, I have personally seen situations in which a couple is not ready to get divorced, um, but they want to be separated. They're living in the same condo, but they're living on separate floors. And so a post-marital agreement, like you said, can be something very helpful to help them legally separate in Texas while still being married. Absolutely. So I actually recently, and I've done this several times, but I'm helping a couple who they pretty much live separate lives right now, but because one of them has a very, very serious health issue and the other spouse's employment is how their health insurance is maintained, that they don't actually want to file for divorce because they still, they've been married a long time and they still want to take care of each other, but they're essentially living separate lives. And one of the spouses recently inherited significant, um, assets and so that spouse wants to protect them so we're working on a post-marital agreement to allow them to completely live separate lives not worry about who's moving on with their lives who's spending what money they're dividing the assets and then also contemplating making sure that the spouse with the health issue has enough resources to take care of herself going forward but neither one of them actually wants to terminate the marriage they just kind of need time apart and knowing that they can live whatever life they need to live at this point in time, but they're still taking care of each other. And so that's a tool that I've used on several occasions. Um, and I find that very helpful, especially, I mean, there's some people who, again, don't want to actually go through the divorce process for things like religious reasons or just their own personal beliefs that divorce is wrong, but they just need to be able to move on with their lives or they want to stay married for kids or other reasons. The, the postmarital agreement is good, although, although it can sometimes lead to a divorce, but also if things are not good, um, but they're not ready for divorce, sometimes dividing the assets like through a postmortal agreement and allowing people to kind of separate for a little bit, then makes it a little bit easier to finalize the divorce if the marriage comes to that point. So that's another way you're, you're essentially handling the divorce by negotiation. And then, you know, if, things, if one party decides they want to 
proceed with an actual divorce, the postmarital agreement can be the guide for easily dividing the assets and making the divorce process less painful. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast might want a guide to the divorce process, and hopefully that's what this podcast is serving for them. But um, a lot of people we've seen have a fear of filing for divorce, and they they're worried about taking that first step and what it's going to mean. Um, I think there is somewhat of a misconception that every divorce has to be very contentious and take a long time, and it's very expensive. And we know that's not always the case. It can be in some situations, but not always. Absolutely. I think you're right. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't understand that it can be amicable, but it takes two people. It takes both parties really wanting to make the process less painful and reach agreements. And I've seen it happen a lot of times. Uh, and I really, I think that at the end of the day, if you can handle it that way, it's better for both parties. I mean, no one... Comes out of well, I guess there are some people who come out of a divorce celebrating. I think it's the greatest day of their lives, but most people, there's still at least some emotion and it's still a difficult process, but it doesn't have to be as ugly um, and nasty as a lot of the real high conflict cases can be. So a lot of people hesitate on filing. Uh, there's still a stigma in society about being divorced, um, and so they hesitate on filing or proceeding with it. But um, I, I think one of the things I want to get across is that it does not have to be a scary process. And if you have the right team of people surrounding you, it while it's emotional and it's painful, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be ugly and nasty and it can be resolved in a really relatively quick way. I'm glad you mentioned having a team in place because something that we've seen outside of the family law context too, is this movement to make sure that you're taking care of your mental health, your physical health, your emotional well-being, And that's something that you can't leave at the door whenever you're walking into a divorce process either. It's important to have your family in place, have your friends with you, and then also importantly, have your legal team in place to be with you by your side as you're entering the divorce process. And just to emphasize that if you're going into it, certainly not going into it alone. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that um, does that mean you have friends and family, but having a lawyer that you can trust and you care about, but also having an outside team. In the first podcast, Judy and I talked about the financial team and having a wealth advisor or an accountant and other things. But having the, like you said, the the mental health, the, 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 the mental health, taking care of yourself and the self-care team side of it too, making sure that is really at the forefront of the day-to-day life of somebody going through a divorce. Because it is, again, even if you're the one that wants the divorce, it's still an emotional process, um, just how long it takes and going through all the finances and dividing everything and moving on to the next chapter is sometimes scary. So taking care of yourself through the process is very important. Right. And I think one of the ways address the fear of filing too would be becoming more familiar with the process. A lot of people who are thinking about divorce that haven't been married or divorced previously don't know what the process is. They don't really know what to expect. And especially given COVID, they're uncomfortable filing during this time. So coming in to talk to an attorney who can educate you, find resources on divorce, the process overall, and what your next steps are moving forward that can help to alleviate some of the initial fear of filing. Absolutely. And I'd like to, you know, really talk about 
the hardest part sometimes is the first step and taking that first step because you know, especially for long, longer term marriages, you become comfortable having, you know, the person in your life or having someone else for support. And so a lot of people find it very difficult to move on by themselves. And one of my, one of the things that I actually find rewarding about this career is when I have a client who comes in is very emotional and is scared of the whole process. But I, as they go through it and they learn and they're educated by all the members of the team and their friends and family, and then they realize how great life can be even after a divorce. And I think one of my favorite things when I hear from clients several years later about how wonderful they're doing and how life has changed and it can be, you know, really a great thing, even though it's scary, you know, learning to grow and learning to be on your own and learning through the process and having the support team can really end up being, well, it's obviously life-changing, but can really put an individual who's been unhappy on a much happier trajectory. So that's one of the good things about this group. <laughs> That's certainly always the goal. Right, absolutely. Well, this has been great, Erin. Uh, thanks for talking through the prenups and postnups and the fear of filing. Um, I appreciate our audience listening to us today. And I just have one final question for you today, Erin. And that is, do you have any favorite divorce uh, movies or TV shows that you can recommend to our audience? I do. And I would say that this one is always a feel good, no matter how many times you've seen it, but it would be Parent Trap. It's a good one. It's a good one. Throw it back to the initial Lindsay Lohan days and rewatch it every now and then. But that's one I would recommend. That's a great one. And it's, and you're right, it is funny and the shows it doesn't have to be super ugly. There can be happy endings. Sure. Well, thanks so much. 